Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Uh, well, guys, it's good to have you back with us. Uh, Eki, it's good to see you again. Recording before the, the next week. I mean, we're recording uh, today on a, what is today? Friday. So today's a um, Friday for the following week. So we're, even though it's late in the week, it's actually early because we're recording for next week. Yeah, we're we're ahead of the game here. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, the topic is a meaningful topic today. And let's j- jump in. Um, and out of, I don't know, 170 episodes or something close to that, I can't believe we haven't covered this topic specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about it a lot um, in various other episodes, um, and and that's can women be creatures? Um, yeah. We've both talked about it. Uh, we've written stuff about it. Um, we've been public about it, and uh, but we haven't done a podcast episode on it. And so um, there's tons of things out there on this. Um, in fact, I think we did talk about this in some detail um, in the feminism episode. Uh, so if you haven't heard that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, I can't remember the title, but it was something pretty provocative, but it has feminism in the title. So um, you can go back in and look for that. So, By the way, I just want to um, say Nathaniel's the one that comes up with the titles. I will say, if you look at our earlier episodes, I, I have become far more conscious of... Uh, of titles going on, but I have to admit, I'm not terribly creative. Um, and, and so it just is what it is. Uh, oh, I remember, I think it's called feminism, the devil's handmaiden. That's what it's called. That was subtle. Um, yeah, very subtle. Well, there's no mistaking what we believe about feminism. So, or at least, uh, yeah. So let's get into this. Um, it, it is a big issue today. Can, can women be pastors? Um, it, if they can be pastors, uh, does it look exactly like, uh, male pastors? If they can't be pastors, why, what can they do in the church? Um, I, I mean, this is a, a dividing line and a source of great frustration, even in some entire, um, organizations. I mean, think about the Southern Baptist convention, yes. which is not a denomination. It is a collective of churches, um, a partnership of churches, but it makes up the largest, you know, kind of quote-unquote denomination um and and traditionally conservative yeah and traditionally conservative but this thing is like eating them alive um because you've got you know several of the more worldly um churches in the convention who are doing everything they can um to try to make it okay for women to teach and exercise authority in the church and, you know, they're getting around it by saying, OK, well, she's not she doesn't have the title of pastor. We're calling her executive or we're calling her the program director or whatever it, nonsense it is. But she's functioning um, yeah. in the role of pastor. And so, um, yeah. And so that's the question. Can women be pastors? All right. Well, let me just ask you, can a woman be an elder or a pastor or a bishop or an overseer? Those are all the same office. Uh No. And I think when you look through the entire scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, though the church wasn't established until Acts chapter 2, I think we see a very consistent pattern uh, with how God arranges his people 
and that the leaders, the, the the shepherds, those who are to oversee God's people were expected to be strong men of faith. Going back to the Old Testament, when you talk about kings, you talk about priests, you talk about prophets, uh, and then the New Testament, you talk about pastors, elders, the apostles, the disciples, everyone who has written every single book in the Bible, uh, very consistently men. And when you see passages such as Ephesians chapter 5 that talk about the the relationship between husbands and wives and how husbands are, are to, um, to to love their wives, but wives are to submit uh, themselves to the husband and respect the husband. You know, those are very clear, uh, very clear roles in which uh, God calls women to follow the authority of men when it comes to spiritual uh, spiritual leadership and design. And I think it extends, that's not to say that it's just spiritual. When you look at the physical realm, when you look at the secular world, for instance, you know, the, for instance, military, you know, if you're going to send military out there to do the fighting for the country, you don't want women doing your fighting. You want men doing your fighting. And uh, you can make a similar argument for leadership within corporations and all that kinds of stuff. It, it's better for men to do it because God has given women other duties that are yeah. equally important, but not the same as men. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to start. This conversation has absolutely nothing to do with value, right? Mm -hmm. This is not the conversation. Um, it's never been the conversation. The, the question is concerning roles. Um, and we do understand this inherently. Uh, although, you know, our society is, you know, on a downward spiral of insanity, um, but we get only women can have children. Does that make them more valuable? No. It's just a different role. It's it's a clear biological distinction that God's given. So, well, we used to be able to say you can't mess that up, right? Of, but of course, here we are um, in, in a crazy world. And so, men, the, the muscles are different, right? Like you, you don't want women firefighters. Well, why? Because they can't pick up a 250-pound man right. and throw him over the shoulders and carry him out of a burning house. Um, and, and, and the, the few exceptions, um, it, you know, are just that. And, and in fact, they, they make the point. And so, yeah, we're just talking about the difference in roles, but it, let's go to scripture. And in fact, um, I, I actually, let's just go to Ephesians passage and just kind of start there. Um, because I, I think this matters in every sphere, right? And let's start in the home sphere. Um, uh, so Ephesians five twenty two. It says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, that's super important. Um, the, the, you submit to your husbands as you would the Lord and as unto the Lord. Um, and then he goes on to say why this is. So why is it that wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord? Uh, for the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Now, I, I mean, this is, you can't get any more weighty than this. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this yeah. is God speaking, saying that the husband is the head of the wife. And if you want a parallel, he's saying, here's your parallel, just like Christ is the head of the church. Um, and, and Christ is the indisputable, absolute sovereign head of the church. And that's the parallel. Um, 
And so this is an issue of creation. This is an issue of how God's ordained things to be. Um, and then he just goes on and really drives the, the the ball home. And then, of course, he gives um, he, he talks about the husband's role. And the point of the podcast is not the husband's role. So we're not going to go into that. Um, but and and so the idea here is that the wife, out of her love for Christ and out of her desire to be obedient to God's ordained order, she submits to her husband in everything. Um, and in everything, obviously excludes sin, right? Um, yeah. We never submit to any authority. No Christian ever submits to anything that's sinful. Um, and so I feel like we have to throw that in lest someone try to make the case, right? This also isn't a doormat. Um, and actually, maybe we should just go into a little bit of the next part, um, because this isn't teaching you know, that women have no no part uh in and parcel of the relationship um they're to complement men right um i mean god made eve because he says it's not good for man to be alone he didn't make her to be a doormat even though she's meant to be submissive um and the response to husbands husbands uh, why don't you just take us through that part and just kind of give make 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 the point um that this isn't the apostle paul saying wives be a doormat yeah, I mean, we verse 22, we just read, wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. And when it says as to the Lord, it goes to show us that the Lord is our ultimate authority. So if we have an authority that causes us to disobey the Lord, well, who's our real authority? It's the Lord. Uh, verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. And that's a huge responsibility for men, because men, it doesn't tell you to force your wives to submit. And that's one of the things I have to um, tell husbands, especially in marital counseling. Um, it is not your job to make the wife submit. That is between the wife and the Lord. And then when I speak to the wife, it is not your job to make sure that the husband loves you the way you think you ought to be loved. That's between the husband and the Lord. Wife, your your job is to submit to your husband as to the Lord. Husband, your job is to love your wife as Christ also loved the church. And when we think about what Christ did for the church, he gave up everything. Uh, he sacrificed everything, right? I mean, Philippians 2, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so by humbling himself, he, he did that in order to bring salvation to the church. But not only that, Verse 26, he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Now, later on in this chapter, in verse 31, Paul is going to quote Genesis 2, 24, that uh, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And verse 32 says, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. So th this is amazing. When you think about creation. Think about the creation account. That's obviously Genesis chapter one, but the real focus of the creation account comes forth in chapter two, and that's really man and woman who's created in the image of God. And we see yeah. from chapter two, God instituted marriage, talking about how man shall be joined to his wife, they shall become one flesh. But what's amazing is that from the very beginning, this was always intended as an analogy that would point forth to the relationship between Christ and the church. 
And so this this really puts the nail in the coffin with regards to any kind of argument that uh, that says, oh no, in some relationships it's okay for the husbands to submit to the wives and wives can yeah. be the leaders. Well, no, that's not what it says. And and Paul, when he makes this illustration that Christ is the head of the church, it's it's to show us that well within the church, are we saying that Christ follows the body? Are we saying the body dictates to Christ the way the church yeah. should be? No, we follow Christ, and in the same way, wives are to follow their husbands. Yeah. Now, it's not to say that husbands are Christ, but it's making an analogy that your submission yeah. to your husband should be as to the Lord, because the Lord is the one that has placed him in authority yeah. over you. But yeah, for husbands, your job is not to force that submission. It's not yeah. to um, assert that authority. Your job is to love your wife as Christ also loved the church with the goal that you are sanctifying her. You are helping to wash her with the word and yeah. you're helping bring her to a point of spiritual maturity that as part of the body of Christ, she can be presented to Christ being holy and blameless. You know, so oftentimes I think this discussion uh, kind of degrades into toddler-like format where people are like, well, what about him? What about her? Um, well, the, the, the problem is you have a command from the Lord and that's your responsibility regardless of what the other person does. Um, and, and so, yeah, the wife is to, su to submit utterly and totally to her husband, um, yeah. outside of doing anything sinful. And yes, that's hard. And I, I think it's worth saying that, right. We're, we're not suggesting that this comes naturally or easily, um, but it is godly. And so if you're a woman listening um, and, and you're a wife, the, the point for you is to reflect the nature of Christ. And the way you do that in your marriage is, is to submit to him as unto the Lord. Um, and, and so it, because of sin, this is going to be hard, right? We, we get yeah. that. Um, but it is godly. So we're talking about creation. Uh, let's kind of jump over now. Um, to First Timothy, and kind of deal with um, the, the the issue of women's roles in the church, and maybe we'll title this uh, uh, podcast "Women's Roles in the Church" or something. I don't know. Um, but you go to First Timothy, uh, and let me actually just start in chapter two, verse nine. So, if you want to know what God expects a woman in the realm of the church, because that's the context here. So this is one of the pastoral epistles. He's giving Timothy instructions for himself, um, by extension for elders, pastors in the church, and then um, to speaking to what things are supposed to look like in the church, right? So that's kind of the context here. So everything you read in the pastoral epistles uh, generally has that context in mind. Um, so verse 9, he says, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, with modesty and self-restraint, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Look, the point here is modesty, not whether you wear gold or braid your hair. And I think the under the the, the presupposition is that you know what's considered modest in your yeah, society. Right. Um, verse 10, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women professing godliness. I mean, I think this is important because what Paul's saying is here is that women shouldn't be known for what they're wearing. That shouldn't be what draws attention to anyone. It should actually be by their good works. 
So not even what you're saying, right? But what you're doing um, is, is what's proper for professing godliness. And then he goes on further and just kind of uh, dives into that. He says, a woman must learn in all quietness, in all submission. Now, remember, this is the context of the church. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. And I just kind of want to stop right there for a minute, and then we'll move on. I, I mean, this is abundantly clear. I don't think anyone misunderstands this passage. I think either you don't know it exists or you just ignore it because it's pretty clear. Um, and you can't go to the original language and make it say anything else either. It's it's super clear there, too. It's This is one of those very helpful verses. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in the context of the church, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. If that's all we had, it would be enough, Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've seen uh, I've seen feminists twist this passage to say that verse 12 is not talking about women in general, but it's talking about a very specific woman um who was in that church who was creating some sort of problems or drama or whatever. The problem is the context doesn't support that. And you have to yeah. be you have to read that into the passage. So I someone had sent me an article one time that explains to me this alternate viewpoint and essentially, you've got to take every single verse and 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 basically insert foreign meaning into it that is not clear just by reading it itself. And so, yeah, th this is this is clear. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. Now, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just say I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. If it just stopped right there, then women should never teach or exercise any kind of authority. But it says I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man specifically, all right? So this is yeah. where we get into the um, women can teach women. They should disciple other women on how to be godly women, godly wives, godly mothers, and they can instruct children. You know, So there's a, a point where when, when a boy becomes a young man, at that point, the woman should not be exercising authority over that boy. Um, but while that boy is still a boy or a young child or whatever, um, that's fine. I have no problems with uh, with women working with our our young kids. But when they get yeah. to, I would say, junior high age, at that point, they really should be just taught by men. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I and I think that's important because some. Um, I think there are also a lot of um, women who they love the Lord, they love Scripture, and maybe they don't realize how much they've been influenced by feminism. It, it's a I don't think there's a single woman who lives in our country who has not been impacted by feminism. I don't think that's possible um, because it is so ingrained in our culture. It's in everything. It's in books. It's in movies. It's in stories. It's in audio. It's in every format. Um, it's in advertisement. It's in, you know, just everything. Um, and, and so you get to this and, you know, it kind of creates a frustration. I think for some people, but you have to know, realize that the reason it does is because here you have God's holy expectation confronting um, something that's been ingrained in you since you've been born yeah. in some ways. And then I think some women have gotten more caught up into the lies of feminism than others, but we, we recognize there's going to be that battle there. Um, and I think the wrong heart looks at this and says, 
well, then what can women do? Um, right. That That's not the right heart. The right heart attitude is, oh, this is what God expects to me and I want to please my Lord. And and so this is right. what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. That That's the right heart mentality. Uh, and here's interesting. We talk about people twisting the scriptures. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, the context doesn't speak at all to individuals. And actually, just to kind of combat that even further, um, if you go before this, the whole thing is generalization in the church. So unless there was a particular name, you, you could not in good faith make an argument that this was about a single woman or even a group of women in the church. And Paul's about to destroy that idea in the very next verse, which right. is interesting that they even make that case. So why is it that women cannot teach men in the church or exercise authority over them? Verse 13 Paul says, for it was Adam who was first formed and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into trespass. So Paul's, I mean, it's almost like God knew this would be twisted and he's making a rock solid case. So Paul is removing this out of his own day and age. He's saying it has nothing to do with what's happening in the church at the moment. It has nothing to do with specific people. This is all because of what God did at the very beginning of all of time, of all of creation. It's because God made Adam first. And so there is an inherent headship that Paul is pointing to here. And so don't be deceived when people say, well, he was dealing with something localized because Paul removes it from his own time period. Yeah. Right. The reason women can't teach and exercise authority over men in the church is because God made Adam first. That's your reason. And so you have to undo the created order to make any kind of argument for this being a localized thing. Um yeah. speak to that. Yeah, the yeah, the um the argument of culture, which is another common argument that you're talking about now, is the idea that well, in those in that day and age, uh, women were not educated and so culturally, men had to be the ones to take on that role. And that's why this commandment is here. It's really having to do with culture. The The problem is exactly that, verse 13, Paul does not reference culture. He references creation, at, at which point when you're talking about the first man and the first woman, there is no cultural influence there. That's the first man and the first woman. They're in the garden, and God has given him his commands. Any culture that you want to talk about at that point has to do with what God has exactly told them. And going on to verse 14 says, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Well, what does that mean? Well, I believe what that means is that Eve was deceived by the serpent into thinking that what she was doing was the right thing. Adam always knew that this was not God's command. And so when he took the bite of the apple, his failure at that point was not being deceived into thinking this was the right thing. His Failure at that point was not exercising the headship over Eve and stopping her from eating the apple or putting his foot down right there saying, no, we will not step forth any further from this. Um, But rather, he went ahead and willingly sinned against God. So this is not to say that um, Eve Eve and Adam, this is not talking about how Eve, you know, she carries the bigger burden or Adam carries the bigger burden. This is to say that there was failure on both sides, but Eve's failure was deception Adam's failure was just a, a lack of obedience to the Lord in that moment. And so in the 
church today, what we want from both sides is we want we want the woman being submissive to the man and the commands, and we want the husband exercising spiritual leadership and authority. And and this verse is also not saying that women are incapable of being discerning because there are some very discerning women out there as long as they stick to the word of God. But here's the reality. Yeah. And, and I think we see this in nature. Women tend to be much more relational than men, and it lends them to being much better caretakers in the home over their children. Mm -hmm. And I also know that in the house, my wife does a far, far, far better job of taking care of the house than I do. Uh, my standards are very simple, right? She's the one that's got the eye for design. She's got the one that she she's the one that notices um, little areas that are dirty that to me are fine. You know, so she's going to take much better care of the house. She's very detailed in that. But you pointed out something else, and I want to circle back to it. Um, there's also this kind of pushback from a lot of women that say, oh, well, if women can't teach, well, then basically you're just saying that they, they're not good for anything except just sitting down, shutting up, and not doing anything. Well, that's insulting to the Holy Spirit. And what do I mean by that? Because 1 Corinthians 12 reveals all kinds of gifts that the Holy Spirit provides to the yep. body of Christ. All right, so so to imply that that women are of no value because they can't teach men is actually an insult to the church because the church is a lot more than just teaching. The and, and Paul makes that clear. Look, read through 1 Corinthians 12 and and all the different uh, gifts that are there and and how we are to regard everyone and their giftedness um, as being valuable to the church because that's exactly what it is. If you have a church full of teachers, well, you've got no one listening. Right. If you've got no one willing to um, pick up and, and clean up uh, areas of the church, then you're going to have a church that's absolutely filthy. Right. If you have no one willing to serve, then no one's going to get served when they need to be helped. Um, when you have no one who prays, well, now you've got no one going before the throne of God when people need intercession. Yeah. So there's a lot of there, there's a lot of roles within the church. There's a lot of ways that we can bless one another. The restriction here is merely that women are not to teach or exercise authority over men, but that is one small part of the overall church. Yeah. And, and again, I think that comes down back to a heart issue. If, if that's the response, then let's just be honest. You're in rebellion against God. You don't like what God has said in his word, and you need to repent of that. Yeah. Um, because our heart attitude ought to always be this is what's in the text of Scripture. I, I want to honor my Lord and bring Him glory. Um, and and so, how can I make my life align with this? Now, all to say, then I don't think it's inappropriate to ask the next question. Well, then, what 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 can I do in the church? But it's a difference in attitude in the way we ask that. And we're going to come to that question near the end. Um, but I, I want to bring out something else here too, because there's some truth in this, and I think. Uh, in verse 14, you know, it's interesting. The Holy Spirit never um, puts these things in Scripture mistakenly. No. Why would he bring out the fact that Adam wasn't deceived, but Eve was deceived? And I think without reading what's not into the text, what we do see here is a link um, to the, the whole issue. And I think, I mean, you alluded to it. It's, it's. I think there's a natural... Um, women are naturally more emotionally driven than men. And yes. I think that is a God-given um, good thing and yes. it, because it's meant to foster a sense of um, 
care and nurturing that comes with being, you know, the one of the species that mother, right? And so it's a good thing, but we also know that we live in a fallen world. And so with every strength that God has given, there's temptation to sin. And so I think the emotionalism, um, generally speaking, just makes women more susceptible to deception. I, I mean, you know, look at all the women preachers. Every single one of them are false teachers. Um, every single one of them. And if they weren't false teachers, they wouldn't be women preachers uh, because they would obey the scripture. Yeah. It's not to say that there aren't men who are false teachers. Um, so I think what we see is, is some of the temptations of sin because of the way God has made us. Adam knew what he was doing was wrong. He just yep. straight up defied the living God. Right. Um, and I think that's generally true um, for for men. Oftentimes when men are sinning, they know they're sinning. It's not because they're deceived. Now, we know false teachers is a different category of things. The scripture says they're deceived and being and they're deceiving and being deceived. Um, and so we got to kind of know the whole of scripture. So I think these are just uh, but but God's bringing it in here to say, right, there's there's other reasons. Um, and so, yeah. And then verse 15, uh, but she will be saved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctification with self-restraint. And the emphasis here is on the second phrase, not the first. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I, I would say the first phrase is, is, is an acknowledgement of the general role of women. He's just yeah. taken everything back to creation. He's saying that Adam was made first, therefore he is the head. He has an inherent authority. Adam represents all of maleness, man. Um, Eve was created Secondly, for a different purpose, she was the one who was deceived, not Adam. So we have that. What is the further role of the women? Well, she's the one who was given the right to bear children. Yep. And the expectation then is that she fulfills her role generally and that she continues in faith and love and sanctification with self-restraint. And that is the proving of her salvation. I, I think this verse is emphasizing how she perseveres in the faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, think about for a moment, motherhood and how much that's been condemned and even condescended within our culture. You know, so in today's culture, women are encouraged to be single, to put off childbearing or to not have children at all. In fact, a lot of people on the left are really encouraging just not having children at all, which is silly if you think about it. Um, but in the process here, motherhood gets belittled. And let me tell you, when it comes to motherhood, and, and I see within our church, faithful mothers to their children, that is a hard job. That That is an all-consuming job. Um, that There's a lot being demanded upon the mother to help nurture and raise up and take care of the children at home. Now, does the husband not share in that role? Of course he does um, when when he's home, but he is the provider and the protector. He's out there working. And when he comes home, if there's any disciplinary issues that need to be taken care of, um, if there uh, is time for family devotion and, and prayer and and teaching and, and that those kinds of things, that's where the men need to step up. But it is a hard job for women to 
take care of the home as well as to take care of the children. And I know within the church too, we've got we've got mothers with uh, with young children, and they don't have the luxury all the time of being able to sit through an entire church service, um, especially if they've got really small ones. Um, some small ones don't do well in the nursery, so they have to step out and take care of their children. And you know what? That's mm-hmm. fine. Then the responsibility falls upon the husband to make sure that the wife is sanctified by the teaching of the word, or she can go back and watch recordings of the message at a later time. But the that the role of women in the household with children is so, so crucial. Yeah. And I think what we see today with um, the younger generations and some of the failure of the younger generations, it's not only growing up in a single in a single parent household, which is often more often the case today, but it's also growing up in a single parent household where the woman is trying to live her own career, um, trying to live out her own life. And so breeding just all kinds of wrong values into their children. So the women bear a tremendous, tremendous responsibility. And I do remember a story where John MacArthur was talking to um, a woman. She was up there in age and she uh, was talking to John about how she regretted not doing more for the Lord in her life. And John, mm. knowing something about this woman, saying, wait a second, how many how many kids do you have? And she had several kids. And he went mm. through them one by one. What, what's this one doing? Oh, this one's a missionary here. What's this one doing? Oh, this one's now an elder at this church. This one went through each one of them, each of them living good, godly, responsible lives. And after he went through the list, he said to her, he said, he said sister, you have done your work and you have done your work. Well, there is nothing to be ashamed of because you have actually fulfilled the duty that's been given to you. And it is an incredibly important duty that men, for us as men, we can't function without women being able to do their jobs in raising up children the right way in the home. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, this is how Satan has duped women in our country, right? I mean, really in the world, feminism is a worldwide movement. And and the reason it's a worldwide movement and it's satanic is because it flips what's important on its head. Yeah. It it minimizes the God ordained role because, you know, Satan well knows if women fulfill their roles, they'll be far more godly people. Um, and, and instead, you know, the temptation is to, to fill the role of a man. And so you, you lose that godly mother. Um, and, and it's very deceptive. Right. And and I think women need to um, remember how vital, just like you're saying, it is to be a mother. Uh, I, I mean, you could go through church history. I mean, we're wrapping up the the reformers and then a couple contemporaries. Uh, next week, we're finishing up Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And uh, but you know what? Charles Spurgeon had a godly mother. Timothy. I mean, we're reading in Timothy. Right. Paul says I mean, he tells Timothy to hold on to the faith, which was taught him by his mother and grandmother, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so if if women want to have a greater impact in the church, well, younger women, if you want to have a greater impact in the church, start having children. Uh, you know, if if God's been gracious to do that for you, I think generally speaking, if you're a young woman, you need a young woman, you need to get married, have kids and and raise them in such a way that you know, your boys and your girls will glorify God and be obedient. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you, you shape societies. Uh, John Calvin yes. had a mother. I mean, everyone, right? But y- if you go through and look at the men God's used, uh, listen to John MacArthur, um, R.C. Sproul, um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, 
right? And there are some exceptions, obviously. Um, but motherhood is a far, far greater thing than women striving to try to become something God didn't create them to become, um, you know, teachers in the church. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's just interesting how deceptive Satan has. Satan has basically come into the heart of woman and said, you know what? How do I convince her to give up that which would make the most impact in society? And and, and they've fallen for it largely, right? So I, I think it's good to know that. Uh, let me move on then. So we've kind of talked about that. That scripture is clear. We don't even need any other scripture. But if you go down to chapter three in First Timothy, then you get the qualifications of an elder. And we're just going to stop at the first one. Um, in verse two, it says an overseer then must be above reproach. And remember, elder, overseer, bishop, pastor, all the same office must yeah. be above reproach. Here we go. The husband of one wife. There, that one right there. Now, right. It, the Greek is better rendered a a, a one woman man, um, and and the idea is that an elder has to be a man who, in his marriage, is wholly and solely committed to his wife. There's no infidelity. There's no lack of care or love. Um, he's provider. He's protector. That's the idea here. Well, a woman cannot be a one-woman man, right? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And so here's just another place. Um, we have it again in Titus, uh, in, in Titus chapter 1, um, in verse 6. He says, namely, if any man is beyond reproach, the husband of one wife. There you go again. Um, so you have it in two places so three places, Paul just makes it abundantly clear that women can't be elders, um, you know. And so the reality is, if you're in a church where there's a woman pastor, you don't have a church and you don't have a pastor. You have a woman who is in open rebellion against the living God, um, and you should flee that church. Um, and they might have numbers, but I guarantee you the Spirit of God is not there uh, because it's open rebellion and i would even go as far as to say um that that is i mean just one of the plainest signs of god's judgment on a church uh, would have leadership in open rebellion whether it be a, a, a heretic that's a man or just a woman pastor all the same thoughts on that yeah i i think my mind goes back to the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, one of the recent issues with Rick Warren, right? I mean, Rick Warren is an example of, he is a male pastor, but one who has bowed down to culture. And uh, of course, the major issue there was that um, at, at a church that had previously always had male leadership, he ordains three female pastors on the same day, which by the way, that's not that's not accidental. That 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 is very intentional. That was a very intentional move on his part. And then you get someone like uh, Beth Moore, who before she started teaching mixed congregations, um, she had openly stated that I don't think we have ever embraced or, or struggled with the tension between what Jesus taught and what Paul taught, which was a very indirect way uh, of saying that they are not aligned with one another, which is often the times yeah. what women have to do they have to start putting paul against jesus or if they say that they all teach the same thing then they have to twist paul's words to say something other than what it very clearly says otherwise 
and all of church history, the church fathers, uh, we, we don't talk about church mothers, we talk about church fathers because they're the ones who have defended the faith. They've been the ones who have led to councils, made uh, great statements and confessions. And when you think about the Reformation, the Reformation was a very, leading up to the Reformation, very dark period where the Roman Catholic Church yeah. had a foothold and was really keeping people out of heaven by preaching a false gospel. And, and what do you have? You have men like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli and John Knox uh, really leading the, the Reformation in different parts of Europe. And I can name a whole bunch of other names as well. These were all men who were needed in the most drastic of times. So this is where men need to step up. And let me address a question that almost always comes up whenever this gets talked about. What about those situations where there is no men who are trained to teach, no one is stepping up, and the only one who knows the scriptures is a woman? Um, well, first of all, that is very, very rarely the case. Uh, that Very rarely the case. And it, it, the, if you want to draw a scenario, first of all, that, that scenario would not make any sense here in America, because you could always go to a church with a male pastor or teacher, though admittedly, yeah. they're not always easy to find. But if you were like, let's say you were in the middle of Africa, and uh, let's say it was a woman who's out there serving as a missionary, and she's caught in a situation where there's no churches anywhere nearby, none of the men are trained, she's the only one that knows the scriptures, and and I, I might say that would be one situation that's a very exceptional situation, but I would say that her focus needs to be to train up a man so that he can take control. Um, so I, I understand women sharing the gospel uh, with with unbelievers. I understand women doing doing that kind of work as an evangelist. But if you're talking about establishing a church, um, that woman, if she's the only one that knows the scriptures, her first focus needs to be to train up a man to take over that role or to get that man to a place where he can be trained by a man in order to take take over that role. And it should be very temporary. But instead, what I often see is that that is often used as an excuse for women to just continue continue to teach and exercise authority mm -hmm. over men without giving any regard to raising up men. We have to, in our church, emphasize the need to raise up strong and godly men, because it is strong and godly men who lead the church. It is strong and godly men who protect the church. It is strong and godly men who protect against the attacks of the evil one. Women have equally important jobs, but they have equally important jobs elsewhere within the church. So let's not uh, let's not mix up the, the, the way that God has designed men and women. He has created us very differently with very different designs, and we operate best when we operate according to the way God has designed us. Yeah, and I think I well, I might offer a slightly different perspective on that. I I, I would probably argue that um, a, a woman should never go off to be a missionary. I, I think that's a violation of Scripture to begin with, um, because being a biblical missionary predominantly would center around planting churches. Yeah. Now, so but but let's just say there's a woman somewhere and there's no church, you know, in another country. You know, I would argue that her focus should be sharing the gospel with people she knows and praying that God would bring a godly man. Otherwise, we get into pragmatism that says, oh, well, God can't have a church here if if a woman doesn't cross the lines of Scripture, even temporarily. So I, I think in those situations, we have to kind of sit on the emotion, pull it back and say, you know what? You know, we have to be obedient to Scripture, and that's what God blesses. And so it might be 
that um, th- that place just doesn't have a church for 10 years or 20 years or 100 years. But we can assume that that's outside of God's or- ordained will. Yeah, um, God is sovereign. And, and so that would that would probably be my take on that. Um, I, I think, and, and you're right in America, so this is our, and, and I think you can never go to exceptions to try to overrule scripture. I, I mean, this is yeah. what feminists try to do all the time, right? Um, the, the reality is, n- no matter who it is, and, and I know guys will come up with women who we deem to be faithful in the past. Let me just tell you, it does not matter. If they were disobedient to scripture, they were disobedient. Now, does that mean that um, that their whole ministry, you you know, should be shunned or they should be deemed a heretic? Well, no, not necessarily. That's not what we're saying. But you cannot use someone's sin to justify further sin. Um, So we have to stay away from those things. So it might be that the ministry is just sharing the gospel and trusting God to to raise up biblical men, right? Yeah, Um, and and I think think the other danger in all of this, uh, when women take over that role of leadership, you are sending a message to the men that it's not important enough for them to give regard to that leadership kind of role. That uh, spiritual that the spiritual realm can be left to the women, while the men can just go off and do what they want to do, which is backwards and upside down, because yeah. men need to be the leaders and the protectors spiritually. When you give up that role, you have opened yourself wide open to the attacks of Satan. And as we have seen throughout history, and just look around at churches that are led by women. Again, this is not to say that men do the job perfectly as well, because there are a lot of false churches led by men. But often those churches, they are they are opening up their churches to this kind of teaching, and the teachings that have female elders and, and pastors and teachers give themselves over to essentially worldly ideologies. I was just in yeah. San Francisco, Chinatown, saw a big sign about the Chinese uh, Church of Christ, and it said um, in, in big letters, be the church, and it gave, I think, seven descriptions of what it meant to be the per- be the church, and the very first thing it listed was protect the environment. And then a couple, mm. uh, a, a few few points down, it said, share physical and spiritual resources with everyone. Um, embrace diversity. And mm. very close to the bottom, it finally said, love God. And the last thing it said, enjoy your life. And, and that's, wow. that's what happens when leadership completely lose sight of what is important. And that's the kind of church that will embrace that kind of faulty leadership. But yep. when we lose sight of what the Bible says, when we start to give into emotionalism, when we start to give into trying to be pragmatic and pleasing to the world, then we give ourselves over to no longer being distinguishable from the world. Yeah. Yeah. And and we just can't give into pragmatism. Um, and and I, I mean, I think it, and we have these churches all over, right? Um, who we've got one here. Uh, it's only like two hours from us. Lighthouse Family Worship Center, Pastors Barry and Kathy Gott. You know, it's right on their website, pastors, plural. Well, I'm sorry, you don't have a church. Um, and uh, and and it doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter how nice, you know, of people they are. They're in open yeah. defiance against the word of God. And so if you're in a church like that, leave. Um, you need to find a church that's not, you're never going to find a perfect church, but you need to find a church that's at least striving to be faithful to God's word. And, and so what do women do if they're in a church that has male leadership, um, but it's not good leadership? 
um, or there's just not enough men standing up. Well, what you don't do, because sometimes it's easier to answer the question, what can I not do? What you can't do is defy God. What you can't do is say, Lord, I know you said this, but you need me to defy you so that this church can be what it needs to be. That is never something that can happen. Uh, and, and so what can women do in that situation? Well, there's a tons of there's tons of things you can do. Eliminate the easy things. Um, what you can't do is assume leadership in, in the church. But maybe you can encourage your husband um, in, in godly ways to exercise the gifts that he has if he's, if he's gifted in those areas. Um, there are ways you can support the leadership um, to help them grow. You know, um, it may be that I'm just thinking of some of the wealthy women that funded Jesus's ministry. Maybe, you know, you find good conferences that you can offer to help send your pastors to so that they can grow and learn and become the leaders that they need to be. Maybe you help stock your church's bookstore with good, solid books that will help the men grow. I mean, there are subtle ways that you can that that you can influence in a right way the spiritual environment in a church that is a submissive god godly role for a woman to do. find those things um and it, it it could just be that you'd step in and use your gifts to do some of the things that the men are doing you know if they're making the coffee and setting up all the food stuff uh, because the women aren't doing that. You know, I mean, just throwing out some examples. Um, th- there's lots of ways, but but the role should be, if your church is in that scenario, the question should be, Lord, I have to be faithful to you. And this is going to come ultimately down to believing whether or not God is big enough to do what he wants to do in, in, in the church, right? Um, you know, and so the attitude is, Lord, I want to be faithful I know I can't do this because that wouldn't be glorifying to you. And just start praying and and asking the Lord how you can serve, how you can help the men in the church. Um, And we've named a few of those things. But what you can't do is defy God um, out of pragmatism. Yeah, let me me throw out some other roles. I mean, within our church, we have women serving in the nursery. Uh, Women should be the ones taking care of the babies, not men. For both, uh, for both practical reasons as well as protection reasons for for those children, yeah. uh, we have women teaching um, a lot of our younger children. We have women that uh, that help run our welcoming center. So we have people that come in and and their desserts and snacks and hospitality. Coffee, kind of, yeah, hospitality. There you go. And there are women who operate the kitchen ministry. So when we have major events for the community or or fellowship events within the church. That the women oversee the the kitchen and the cooking and, and all that. We have um, we have meal trains for people that go through surgeries and you know they um, our women will rally together and provide home cooked meals for those families uh, so that they don't have to worry about where they're going to get food but rather can just focus on getting well and and recovering. Women should be praying for one another. They should be helping one another. So younger mothers uh, who have brand new children. There should be other women within the church that helps to guide them in terms of their motherhood, in terms of how to raise those children, or to be able to step in and help babysit uh, when when 
that's needed. So there's there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different areas in the church that are absolutely needed that women do. And let me just say, women do it far better than men. Just about everything I mentioned, women do it far better than men. And those are areas where churches are strengthened beyond what you can imagine when women are fulfilling those roles because people are welcomed, kids are taken care of, kids are being, uh, they're being taught, uh, mothers are, are being discipled in, in terms of motherhood, mm-hmm. um, families who are in need, they're, they're getting home-cooked meal, meals being brought to them, women are being prayed over. So there's so many ways that that women can, can help serve. And there are a lot of those things I mentioned, for instance, prayer, that's something that men and women should both be doing. Um, hospitality is something that men could be doing as well. Um, but but certainly those are important roles within the church, and we can't just reduce church to being just the person who teaches and everyone else who listens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so much of the church today suffers because women have been tricked into pursuing what isn't their role, and so they abdicate what their role is meant to be. And the church suffers when either the man or the woman isn't fulfilling their God-given role. So you want healthier churches, then do the things that God has called you to do. You know, and, and I mean, this the, this podcast is about the woman's role, but I mean, for heaven's sake, men, put on your big boy pants and start yeah. sacrificing and serve in the church. You know, I mean, we hear a lot of complaining about feminism, but my goodness, it, part of the reason that it thrives is because men have gotten lazy. Um, it, you have younger men who'd rather play board games and video games than serve in the church and take their faith seriously. You have older men who are retired and have just sort of sat back and decided they're yeah. done with life. Um, and, and both of those things are wrong. And if you're in that place and you're complaining about, you know, where are all the men? Well, be the man. Right. Um, and, and I don't mean to say that in a harsh way, but when one or the other abdicates their their role, they leave room and I would say even invite sin into the church. Um, and, and I would I would I would put the burden more on men because they're meant to be the ones leading. And so if you're a man and, and you're qualified um, and even if you can't teach, you're not qualified as an elder. Maybe you should be a deacon, and if you can't be a deacon, you should just be serving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 at the very least, every man is called to, you know, as it were, be the priest in his own home. You should be facilitating godliness and 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 spiritual education in your own home. So, but. So we've said that, but let me jump to what women can do, and we'll kind of wrap it up on this, my, my little tangent there. Um, we need both people doing what they should be doing. And and actually, I kind of want to I, I give a shout out to one of the ladies in our church just because she does this extraordinarily well, Renee Keithley. Um, I, I've been in the church. We have a lot of wonderful women who do. I mean, they just serve and they and they do all kind of things. But, um, you know, she particularly shines in this area. Uh, she's got a keen eye for decorating, and so she does, you know, decorating for like our fellowship meals and and helps arrange with all the other ladies. But in I, I would say that's a good example of someone who's using their their God given you know abilities and doesn't move outside of roles. Um, and so uh, I know she listens to the podcast. So uh, thank you, Renee, for for being a good example there. Well, let's jump to Titus 2, brother, because we've talked a lot about, about uh, a lot of what women can't do in terms of ministry. 
Um, this is where women should should be going in scripture. You know what you can't do. Paul's made that really easy. This is what you should be doing, and it gets ignored. Um, or I think also kind of misunderstood. And um, it'd be interesting to see how close our views are on the application of this. Uh, we don't mind having different views and application at Truth Be Known Ministries because we're mature adult Christian men. So, um, but I think we're probably pretty close here. Titus 2. Um, so th- again, this is Paul. And in this section, Paul's giving instructions to, to older and younger people in the church. And he's basically saying, these groups of people should be focusing on these kinds of things in the church. Um, let me just read from verse one. He says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So this is instruction to the elders, to Timothy, or sorry, to Titus. Then he says, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. So it's almost like if you're an older man, you should actually have all the same qualifications as, as a deacon right? Uh, All the character qualifications of an elder. But then he goes on to three. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. I think that's a big one today. What does it mean to be reverent? I don't just mean not just in your home or in the church, um, but in your life. Are you reverent on your social media? Are you reverent, you know, wherever you are? Not malicious gossips, and he's putting this here because he realizes this is a temptation common to women, yeah. um, not enslaved to much wine. I mean, there are entire movements today of wine drinking young mothers, right? Posting all their, you know, basically intoxicated field days on on TikTok. But then he goes on to say those are the character issues, teaching what is good so that they may instruct the younger women in sensibility. <laughs> Excuse me. So so here we have a focus. So women can't do these other things. They can't be a teacher, exercise authority over men. But now Paul's going to say, primarily, your focus should be on instructing the younger women in sensibility. Well, what does that mean? To love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, Kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be slandered. There is a ton of things for women to do here. Yeah. I would argue that the primary teaching role that women have, generally speaking, across the board, because these are tied to character things, and Paul's already tied them to creation, would be centered around teaching less mature women how to love their husbands and children. Yep. I I would say that that is the primary focus uh, of a woman's ministry. And I would also say that if women did that well in the church, we would see far greater fruit in the church as their children grew up and became godly men who would lead and godly young women who would get married and perpetuate the cycle as it were. Yeah, agreed completely. Um, This is what we've talked about, women teaching women, discipling women, teaching children, um, and and really teaching other women in terms of just how to be a godly woman, how to be a godly mother, how to be a godly wife. And and this, by the way, does not preclude a woman's need for theology, a woman's need for studying the Bible. No, 
the more she understands scripture, the better she can do this kind of work. You know, you have mentioned some of the women of history. Um, Charles Spurgeon had a wife, Susanna Spurgeon, who is doctrinally very deep. If you read some of her stuff, yeah. Jonathan Edwards' um, wife, I think Sarah Edwards, I want to say her name is, um, very doctrinally deep. Elizabeth Elliot, another great example. You know, when you read her stuff, she's got, uh, she she's clearly a woman who understands the word and submits herself to the word. So this does not mean that studying the word is not part of your duty. No, this is actually why you need to study the word, because as you grow in your understanding of the word, you're going to be able to grow in terms of your ministry to other women, to children, and also oh. growing in your own self in terms of being a godly woman, a godly wife, a godly mother. All these things start with a right view of God and understanding his will and purpose in the scriptures. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. You actually cannot do this. You can't fulfill this ministry if you are not theologically sound as a woman. Mm-hmm. How do you and by the way, I think we should add um I I I take this to mean older women not necessarily to just mean the older in age, but the mature. Yes. Right, the mature Agreed. the mature Agreed. woman. Um but it, it, you know, how do you how do you teach? How does a, a mature woman teach another woman how to love their husbands if you don't know what Ephesians says about the fact that right. wives are to submit to the husbands? Even right. greater, uh, you can't teach your an, another woman to love their husband well if you don't understand the comparison between Christ and the church yep. and marriage. And so you actually need to be very theologically sound yourself in order to do this well. And so a woman who is truly feeling Titus 2 ministry is not seeking to teach men or to get around how to teach men in the church as a public ministry or whatever, but truly striving to know deep theology so that they can teach other women how to fulfill these roles, how to love their children. Well, how do you teach a woman how to love her children if you don't know what the Bible says about discipline? Yeah. Disciplined children. If you don't know what the Bible teaches about God's expectation of children towards the parents, um, you you can't. How do you teach a woman how to be sensible without knowing the scriptures or what purity means? Um, workers at home. I mean, this is a big contentious thing, but generally speaking, yep. you know, women should be mm-hmm. workers at home. Now, we understand there's some exceptions. This isn't to say God's forbidding a wife to work outside the home that there's no clear um you know it doesn't say you can't do this like it says paul says i do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over men this is just generally going to be the role because if you're going to be mothering children you know you need to give them time now i would argue um that a lot of mothers um are working out of the home unnecessarily um out of vanity and love for things, right? And the and the truth is that though sometimes that might be required to work outside the home, the the children ultimately are the ones that suffer to some degree or another. And so I think you should strive to do that. But to be kind, um, you know, it's interesting to me how often in our camps, even in the reform camp, you know, we will agree with Titus two ministry. Um, w- women will agree that, you know, they can't teach men, but when you look at their attitudes, it sometimes 
you find that their character is not in line with Titus 2. They're, they're not generally kind. A woman is absolutely meant to be submissive in spirit, and that is across the board. My wife does not have to submit to you, Eki. Um, right. You're not her husband. However, my wife should demonstrate a gentle spirit towards you um, and towards any other man. In fact, towards any other person, because that's just part of the character. If you read the Proverbs 31 woman, that's just part of the character that women are meant to exude. And so there should be this general kindness uh, rather than a an abrasive kind of nature that women have. But you need to know theology, right, to, to do this, being subject to your own husband so that – and I love that he ends with this. The whole reason for this ministry – is so that God will not be slandered, right? And and I think that ultimately the 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 godly woman has to say, "I'm submitting to the Word of God in all of this because I love Christ and because I want God to be glorified, yeah. and I don't want the name of Christ to be reproached because I'm outside of the bounds of Scripture." It, it really has to start there. If that piece is wrong, you'll fight everything we've talked about in this episode. Well, and your children will be confused, right? So, I mean, as yeah. the woman is raising the children in the household, they those children should be able to understand why she's submitting to the father, why the father is the leader and she's not. And they should be able to learn as they grow up for young daughters that they are to model the mother and young sons are to model what the father is doing. So that, again, just ties back to theology and understanding the differences in God's design, which a lot of people get wrong because they either don't believe the scriptures, they don't read the scriptures, or they don't understand the scriptures. You know, one of those three things. So all this requires an understanding of God's word if you're going to be sure that the word of God is not dishonored or slandered. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, let me go to uh first Peter. I think it's first Peter three. Yep. Um did we read this earlier? We did not. Yeah, so so we're talking about so Peter here is talking about wives and husbands. Um let me just read the first couple chapters because I know women get their, you know, the hairs on the back of their neck raised when any guy says you should be generally submissive in spirit to everyone including you know not just your husband but it is just scripture so you're not arguing with me if you don't like it you're fighting god um peter says in chapter three he says in the same way you wives be subject to your own husbands by the way it's interesting the other uh, another apostles teaching the same thing um so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives so an emphasis here is on the wife's godly conduct as they observe your pure conduct with fear. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing goldy jewelry, uh, gold jewelry, or putting on garments, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible quality of a lowly and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. This is just the general character of a godly woman. Yes, it is. And it's it's consistent throughout Scripture, um, godly women. And even the example that comes up later in verse 6 is about Sarah and Abraham, which goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, 
So this has always been what has been expected. And this is not to say that men are, um, that this is for women and men can be boisterous and rude and, and all that. Men are also told to be respectful in their speech as well as yeah. uh, kind, uh, you know, act like men, be strong, but let everything you do yeah. be done in love. That's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. So this is uh, th this is consistent throughout scripture. You'll see this in the people of God, the men of God, the women of God. And pointing out very specific exceptions such as Deborah and Judges doesn't change what the rest of Scripture says, right? Yeah, and by the way, the fact that Deborah was a judge wasn't a good thing. No, no. so it wasn't it wasn't the example you really want to be pointing to. So, yeah. So just give us some kind of wrap us up. Give us some last thoughts, kind of thinking broadly about women preachers and then rather what they can do and the general character what what would be some yeah, takeaways you know what this this just comes back to believing what the bible says and not allowing the worldly influences to change your thinking ephesians tells us that the schemes of the devil are what we need to be protected against that's the whole reason why we need to grow according to the word of god so recognize that the devil is attacking the church from multiple different directions. And one of the ways that he does it goes right back to what he said in Genesis chapter three, has God really said? He said that to mm -hmm. Eve to lead her into deception. And he continues to do that today, both to men and to women by trying to conduct their lives in a manner that goes against what the word of God says. So this goes back to the word of God, obey the word of God, believe the word of God, trust the word of God, follow in the example that has been given to us, and you will find that there is more than plenty for each of us to do within the church. But let's not mix up our roles. Let's not have women doing the roles that men are supposed to be doing. And let's not have men doing the roles that women are supposed to be doing. Women focus on the way God has designed you, the, the strength that he has given you to do those tasks, as well as men focus on what God has designed you for and given you the strength to be able to do and, and those tasks that are assigned to you. When we do that, God is glorified everything works well, and the church is most strengthened against the world around us, and we will best shine the light of Christ all around us and provide an example to a dying world that needs to know Christ. Amen. Well, guys, I hope that this has been helpful to you. Um, feel free to share the podcast around. If you aren't familiar, we have a YouTube channel we're on Apple Podcast. We're, I think we're on every platform. So we would love for you guys to share it around. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And by the way, we if you have recommendations uh, for topics, if you would like to hear us cover something, um, you know, would, would love for you to send us an email uh, and then uh, we'll look at covering those topics. So thank you for listening. I hope it's been edifying and it helps you. Until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.